Yo, buddy. How's it going? It's going, man. Trying this uh, a phone recording through the uh, Anchor app here to uh, just put up some content. The Eagles 32 to 27 win over the Washington Redskins this past Sunday, September the Beautiful 8th. win. Uh, first day of football for the year. Beautiful win. Uh, roller coaster of emotions for uh, us as fans uh, watching at home, but um, glad that we gutted it out. We're, we're going to get into uh, that game as well as looking ahead to the game against uh, the Falcons. But um, for Mike and I, I think we just had a great time when we recorded uh, our podcast, our last episode over at Locust Lane uh, Brewing. That's something that we're hoping that we can do again soon. Um, really had a great turnout. So hopefully that's something that. But uh, yeah. let's get started with some positive uh, having to do with this game on Sunday. Um, I think one of the big positives to come away with, uh, it's kind of an obvious one, is, is Deshaun Jackson. Uh, 32 years old, um, managed to have a 154-yard day uh, with two touchdowns, uh, complete with a little scuffle he got into at the very beginning of the game that cost the Eagles a foul uh, penalty. So he, he had a little bit of everything. Uh, I became kind of curious uh, in thinking about that game today and yesterday where that ranks in terms of Deshaun's all-timing uh, kind of Eagles games. I know he's had a game where he was, I think, over 200 yards, so this wouldn't be quite up there. But I, I think this was a statement game for Deshaun, not just the return, but the way he played. What do you think, Mike? I, I agree with that. I think I like everything about Deshaun's whole game, and I'm okay with uh, him getting in that scuffle in the first half. I think a player like Deshaun, you know, he needs to stay aggressive. He needs to stay confident. And whatever was going on on the field, <clears throat> you don't like to see a penalty get called against your team. But um, I like his aggressiveness and I like his attitude there. Hell of a game. I heard, uh, I heard Ruben Frank say that maybe Deshaun plays better after a fight. It, it's very possible. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> if, if, you know, if he's having that, mentality at the beginning of the game you know his you know you know where he uh his uh, priorities are where his where where his uh mindset's at he's he's looking to win he's looking to compete definitely and I, I almost wonder and I know this is a little bit of a stretch but you know the Eagles came out flat we're going to talk about that today but they really it was it was a struggle at the beginning of the game just to get anything going and I almost wondered the same way excuse me, when a hockey team is down, how uh, the bruiser on the team will kind of start a little scuffle with the other team just to try to get some mojo, just like get some energy yep. going. Um, and whether or not that was, you know, true of this game on Sunday, that did seem to jumpstart something for them because not too long after that, Wentz and Deshaun started to connect. Uh, right. So ultimately on the day, Deshaun's two touchdowns, one was a 51-yard touchdown uh, and one was a 53-yard touchdown, yeah. both of which were just vintage Deshaun. Uh, just him literally just uh, running past and it, catching them all track. Yeah, and, and to build off that, I I think you saw a really complete game from Deshaun and, and something different than we saw when he was previously an Eagle. He had a lot of underneath routes that he was catching. It wasn't just deep balls. That that was two of the eight catches that he had. But he was a big right. – he had some big first downs. He had some uh, – Really good. He catches. seems like a more complete player right now, and we'll see if that lasts throughout the the course of the whole season. But uh, really, 
really am impressed with the performance that he showed and uh, the connection he seems to have with Carson early on in the season. Well, and something I was really thinking about is the last time he was here, he was a player that by virtue of injury to Jeremy Macklin and other situations, he kind of was forced into the number one spot, like the number one wide receiver spot um, when Chip Kelly was still here and in Deshaun's last year as an Eagle before coming back this season. Um, and that was kind of a lot for him. I remember, you know, he would have games where he would do his Deshaun thing, but then he'd have game where he would disappear. And it right. almost seemed like he needed that wide receiver one to kind of balance him out. Uh, and as long as he didn't have to be the only guy that, you know, he could, he could have success, but I'm not saying he put the offense on his back, but he, he absolutely jump-started everything that happened with the Eagles. Uh, and he did it in, in his classic Deshaun way. No, basically he's, he's certainly, he certainly did. And I wonder if there was something said between Deshaun and Carson at halftime in terms of look for this or whatnot, because, um, you know, he was, he, he really had an impact on the game and maybe, maybe words were exchanged where look for this route. These guys, the safeties are doing this. Uh, I'm open on this type of play and it really paid off for them in the second half. I, I can totally see that sort of a dialogue happening between him and Carson. I know just from reading a few articles from, Eagles beat writers that uh, Deshaun did address the team when uh, the team went in at halftime and specifically said, I've been in the Washington locker room. I know that they're kind of resting on their laurels. They think they have this game already won and locked up. It's only going to take one play. So it seems like both on the field uh, and we'll move on from Deshaun after this, probably just keep going about him because his, his game was just so important. His, his contribution to the game was so important this past Sunday. Um, but he seems to be just taking like a leadership role. He's taking it on the field. He's taking it in the locker room. He's pulling Carson aside. He's doing these things to kind of set himself and the team up for success. And I don't know that both of those things were happening when he was here before. I know no, he was having success. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure they were. And um, I think it is, you know, there, there's plenty of uh, praise to be spread around here. But Deshaun could be a player that becomes, like like you just said, a leader um, on this offense, maybe for the whole team, um, you know, he might be the more mature player than he was when he was previously here. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited after week one, what, what he's shown and what, what he might do this season for us. Yeah. And he seems motivated. And I'm sure, you know, two teams later, he went to two teams that I think when he was in Washington, they went to the playoffs maybe once. Um, but he de- definitely didn't have that success in Tampa Bay. And, you know, I think he's, looking to take advantage of what's probably the last, you know, at least few years of his career yeah. here where he's really able to thrive. And um, it's just great to see, you know, this many years and that many teams later that he's stepped into that role. But um, Mike, why don't you talk a little bit about number 17 and what he was able to do on Sunday? Well, I think, I think you saw a really big game out of um, a player whose season ended very poorly on a, on a down note last year with, with the, uh, a pass uh, for a first down, go through his hands, thrown by Nick Foles. And uh, in this game opener, Alshon Jeffrey did not disappoint. Uh, you know, he got started off with a really well-designed pass play, which I think ended up being counted as a run because it was a backwards pass. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a lateral. That's that's wild that Alshon has a rushing right. touchdown. And that, 
you know, and that for the stat sheet for Carson, that doesn't make it in as a, as a passing one. But either way, seven but, points. But one, I think that's a really good play design by Doug because I think Alshon does have an ability to see the field and uh, pick up those type of, type of yards on somewhat of a mock screen type play. Um, so great, to, great yeah. to see him getting involved. And then the catch that he had in the corner of the end zone uh, on that crossing route, which Carson just kind of threw a laser into him, that's, that is, that's, really, that's, that's what we want to see out of Alshon, those big-time catches for touchdowns that are going to put us ahead. Um, and I, what I really love about that is what you said before, like the way it was schemed for the first touchdown, which like we both said wound up being a rushing touchdown, which they ran with Alshon last year. And Alshon has that kind of stride. He's not like going to get low or anything and run anybody over, but he has a stride kind of like a, he's not fast, but like a basketball player running up the court. He'll just move past. He just kind of glides. Right. Past he people. seems. So I think they've been successful with that, that play, but the other one was more of a scramble. Right. You know, and he just got open. I mean, that's, if you watch the play and I encourage, you know, you, if you haven't seen it, but you probably have at this point or any, anybody who's listening that hasn't seen this video, there's a video of the back angle of Alshon running across the end zone and, Carson, when he throws that ball, Alshon's not there yet. I mean, he has to kind of get there, and it the ball had to be threaded through all you know all kinds of traffic and hands and everything else to, to make it there. So, really crazy play. Absolutely, and it's always good to see your your. Um, well, actually, I'm not sure who the top paid receiver right now on our roster is between Deshaun and Alshon, but one of your top paid players on this team uh, to have that connection with Carson right away, and I guess two of the top play, paid players on this team. Um, already see that connection forming with Wentz. That's good. Yeah, and I know last year there was concern about Wentz and Alshon and their connection and why Foles seemed to be able to connect with uh, Alshon, you know, more strongly. Right. So it's really nice. To, and it's something that I think that little kind of run lateral, give it to Alshon on the line of scrimmage and let him run past people. I think that's going to be a play this year. I think you're going to see that a bunch. I mean, it, they ran it last year for sure, but – I think it's something that now they, they know that they can go to Alshon's not expected to get the ball there. And so it kind of takes the defense by surprise, but I can see him doing it for goal line situations. I could also see him doing it for first downs. Um, Absolutely. Which might be, a good, might, might be a good segue to, uh, to the next uh, subject we were going to talk yeah, about, which is just, let's, uh, let's talk about Carson Wentz's performance and uh, the impact that he had in the first game, you know, with, quite a bit of question marks coming into this game about what type of player he would be and in what type of form and shape um, he would be in. So Chris, what, what do you think about Carson's performance week one against the Redskins? I, I think just like with the rest of the team, like so goes Carson, so go the Eagles. I think it was like the tale of two halves to me watching some of it back. I mean, he definitely had some nice throws and nice plays in the first half, but it almost seemed like, he was playing conservative in the first half. Uh, and then obviously at the end of the first half, opening up to Deshaun for that first touchdown, that that was really kind of a tipping point. And after that, he seemed a little more like what I remembered from 2017. He, to me. he did. Um, and as a, as a side note, um, just as a fan watching the game, as soon as Deshaun caught that, uh, I don't know if that was the 51 yarder or the 53 yarder. I think it was a 53. I think the yeah, I think the first one was longer. Um, right. yeah. I immediately felt a sense of relief, like, okay, I think the Eagles have this. Yeah, I think the other thing is, you know, a big part of uh, something I keep hearing on Sports Talk Radio and reading um, is this idea of third and Wentz, uh, yeah. that he 
he's just been so consistent uh, in converting on third down. Um, both of their touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, um, both of their touchdowns to Deshaun came on third. And I 10. believe Alshon's touchdown in the end zone was also on third down. Uh, okay, you know what? I, it might be one of Deshaun's and then that one from Alshon, if I'm if I'm remembering <clears throat> right then. But that's that's significant. It is. He's able to make a dynamic play, especially that one to Alshon. He's scrambling on third and ten on a day where the team struggled to get off to an offensive start and defense defense too. Yeah. Uh, so, it was really good to see Carson yep. be able to convert multiple third downs, not just on the scoring plays, but he. it seemed in the second half that the Eagles were just at their will converting on third down, uh, which is a stat that is going to carry be, suit them very well. Well, and I think what was able to happen there is also the run game started to kind of come together and through a lot of different pieces and what seemed to be kind of just random as far as usage of the running backs. But I think that helps Wentz. And I think Wentz is going to play better when he's able to lean on that and kind of conserve himself for the times where he does have to scramble and make a great play to be able to lean on Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard and, and everybody else that the, that the Eagles backfield has to offer. And, and one other point just with Wentz is I really liked his movement inside of the pocket. You saw him uh, avoid uh, defensive linemen in a way that seemed resemblant of his 2017 form where he found the open space to continue the play, not to run the ball, but to continue looking downfield and find the open receiver. Um, but on the last point that you were just talking about uh, with Miles Sanders and Jordan, Jordan Howard starting to pick up the run game, I think it's you know worth mentioning and addressing uh, the games that they had. So what were, what were things that impressed you with uh, those two players uh, those two running backs and how they performed week one. I really just, I just wanted to say one more thing about, about Wentz and then we can move into the the yep. running backs. And that's just this, this QB sneak play that they're running in fourth and one and third and one uh, type situations. Um, it, you know, knock on wood so far, I think he's a hundred percent on it. I, I don't think that they've been stopped running that play. I mean, Carson's a big guy. Uh, I know a couple of these plays, Jason Kelsey and Isaac, uh, say Malo came through and we're just pummeling, you know, the defensive lineman in front of him. I, I think that's a great play. I also think it just crushes the defense like psychologically. Yep. Uh, so, you know, that's something that, uh, and I'm not making a crazy leap here, but that that's something that Tom Brady definitely, you know, that's one of the staples of his game. Absolutely. Uh, and something that ought to be really dominant at. And so far in his career, that's something that Doug being an aggressive play caller and Carson having the build and the, the skill set that he does, that's something they've been able to convert on. And I think as time moves forward, whether it's against the Redskins or some of the more tough matchups they have down the line, they're going to need that play. Absolutely. And I think teams, you've seen it before with Wentz, uh, with that QB sneak, and it continues to, uh, to be an impactful uh, play for Doug, <clears throat> Doug to call on this third and shorts, uh, fourth and shorts. Uh, it's, it's really great. And <clears throat> Jason Kelsey in the offensive line is getting a great push off the ball. And Carson is a bigger quarterback that seem, seems to just get low and push the pile really well. So, yeah, that's going to be a big one for us. Yeah, and it's also clearly one that they have worked on. I mean, there's just – I don't think that confidence would be there if it's something that they were just trying every once in a while. It's, I think, something that is probably a big – point of pride for people like Kelsey and like I said Sam Malo too for the linemen I mean that's a big uh, moment for them to really show what they're worth 
But you had asked me about the running backs. I, I think what I found in this game was that uh, Darren Sproles was the lead running back. Distribution of the, the carries, I think he wound up with 12. Uh, Jordan Howard had seven. Al Sanders, I think, had maybe 10 or something like that. Uh, but it seemed a little random to me, just the way that the carries were being given out. It, it didn't seem to have that um, methodical, and I, I know – this was two years ago now, but that Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette, Blunt, Corey Clement uh, dynamic where each person has a role and they're kind of using them uh, in the roles. And, and maybe part of it is Doug is still figuring that out. But one thing I will say about each, uh, both Sanders and um, Jordan Howard is I, I really thought you still saw uh, some great stuff from Sanders. I think he picked up a, a couple of blitzes, the one that allowed uh, Carson to uh, throw that one touchdown to Alshon throughout the game that was a concern of his coming in the league and any rookie running back uh to be able to come in and do that but he had one uh long run that would have been a touchdown that got called back on a hold which i think mike and i both agreed watching the game was kind of bullshit anyway um but i think the the dynamic style that sanders runs with i think you saw that in this game he did have one run i believe it was 19 yards um where he was just slipping and sliding and wiggling around everybody just like LaShawn McCoy used to. Um, and in that way, he's, he's special. He's different than the other backs we have, even with Sproles, because he's just kind of a different guy. Howard, what I, what I saw, I thought he was great. One of the first plays he made, it might've been the first play Carson threw the ball almost to the ground and Howard scooped it up like finger great catch and still gained like three or four y- yards. And that's not something that was part of his reputation. So I feel like I saw good stuff from him. I kind of wondered, you know, why Doug didn't go to him more. And maybe maybe he will in this week against Atlanta. Yeah, I, I agree with your points on uh, Sanders and Howard. I think you saw really good things from them um, in this first game. I'm very interested, um, and I, I'm not going to try to uh, repeat some of the points you made. So I'll just, I'll just continue and say, I think one of the things we need to look at going forward is how the Eagles – manage their uh, running back committee because uh, Cl- Corey Clement really didn't get too much playing time. And it seemed like he got put in kind of randomly at one point in the game, somewhat cold. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how they're managing their players, but uh, I think out of Sanders, Howard and Sproles, you saw really good things. It's, it's just going to be going forward. Um, what determines how much playing time in a certain game uh, each running back gets, uh, so, you know, making that balance, determining that balance. Uh, it, it's going to be a work in progress as the season goes on. Well, I guess you can say this is a little preview of what we're going to talk about uh, when we preview the game against the Falcons. But I think one of the things that's going to determine that um, is the fact that the Eagles are going on the road this week and they're going to need a certain amount of power in their running game, a certain amount of pass catching ability um, to maintain possession. And we'll talk about that more later. Um, but definitely came away from the game appreciating the fact that we still do have Darren Sproles and just he's unique. I mean, everything he's able to do is unique. That's uh, probably the best word to describe. Absolutely. Do you mind if I move on to uh, our next point here? Absolutely. Go for it. Uh, so out of this first game, you know, one of the questions we had posed uh, at our podcast from Lucas Lane was – does Doug 
continue to be aggressive? Does he continue to be uh, the big balls Doug that we have come to know? And is he, is he, is he upping that? Is he becoming a bigger balls Doug or is, 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 is this who he is? Is this, is this the kind of play caller that he is uh, aggressive? He's always going to go for it on those fourth and shorts when it, when it makes sense to, what do you think about Doug's play calls and uh, his overall uh, aggressiveness during uh, this first game? I think we absolutely saw bigger balls Doug in this game. And the main reason I'm going to say that is the first time that he showed it, the Eagles went for fourth down uh, or sorry, went for it on fourth down in their own territory um, and they did not convert. And that didn't dissuade Doug at all from going back to being aggressive later on. Not at all. I think the thing about Doug that I find uh, most other coaches are trying to kind of copycat is that tendency is that if you take risks and it doesn't work out, it's, it's not that it's just not your day. It's just that it didn't work that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Doug seems to have that mentality. He seems to keep that up in the course of a game and say, no, we're going to stay aggressive. And when I see the next opportunity to, to kind of put ourselves out there and put it on our guys to make a play, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to say, well, we didn't do it last time. Uh, to me, that, that really sets Doug apart. And I think we saw it in this game and in a game where the Eagles needed it. Absolutely. We clearly did. We had a, a you know, a big, deficit we were trying to overcome to get back into the game and ultimately take over the lead Doug's play calling had everything you know to do with that especially after we had the lead um, and Doug went for a two-point conversion to go up nine nine points play calls like this uh, let's just hypothetically say didn't get it in retrospect I like that call. I, I really like the aggression by Doug, and I hope he continues to do that in, in every game this season. Me too. And, and what I really loved about that two-point conversion, I remember we were you know shit, doing our normal ritual, shaking hands and uh, over any good Eagles play that happens. But I, I remember thinking that like he's not slowing down for anything. They just scored. They've been kind of on a little bit of a roll here, and he's, he's just keeping the train going. He's not saying, oh, well, now let's, now let's kind of fall back a little bit. No, there's still time left in the game. You still started slow, stay aggressive. And I think that helped them to win the game. I think, I think the players pick up on yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, but uh, let's just talk about some concerns from this game and we'll kind of make it, um, we'll make it maybe a little bit specific toward the Redskins coming out of this game, but maybe concerns that you have that'll carry over uh, from the game against the Redskins to the games uh, or the game, sorry, coming up this Sunday night against the Falcons. So do you want to start us off with that, Mike? Sure. Uh, one thing that I noticed uh, a lot in the first half was Case Keenum's ability to uh, make passes over the middle of the field. And I think you saw a lot of Jim Schwartz having to utilize Malcolm Jenkins to kind of fill into uh, a lack of good play that we were seeing out of our linebacking crew and he was pulling Malcolm Jenkins down to essentially play linebacker um, which I thought was a great adjustment as the game went on but it does raise a concern over is this linebacking crew that we've assembled going to be good enough to carry us against stronger teams in the NFL I think, all right, so basically what I believe long-term, and I know we're just kind of focused on what happened Sunday and what's coming up this Sunday, but I think long-term when Camus comes back, I think he's going to be the guy. 
Uh, I think he's going to be the starting middle linebacker just because I, I think he just seems to have a command and, and we haven't seen it. We won't have seen it for a while, but I just think they need some, again, kind of like the running back position where it's just the roles aren't really clear. Uh, Nigel Bradham didn't play a lot in the, uh, didn't play at all in the preseason. Uh, didn't play much in training camp because he was coming off an injury, a surgery, I believe. So, I mean, he was rusty. And I think we saw that across the board, but I mean, Keenum, Combined with max protection, I think most of the time, those first few drives, it looked like anyway, the Eagles couldn't get any pressure. There was max protection for Keenum. He had, you know, drop back three steps and just throw the ball. But he he seemed to complete every pass. I mean, it was almost – it got to a point where we just knew it was going to happen, and it was a matter of, gosh, I hope it's not for another first down. Um, but he just seemed to have a lot of time, and that part of the field seemed to be wide open. The thing that concerns me is I don't know that that's just a running back thing, like you – or I'm sorry, just a linebacker thing. I know you talked about safeties like Malcolm coming up in the box. The other thing is that Schwartz was getting back into that kind of picket fence style defense where the, the uh, defense was willing to give up what's in front of them. Um, but what was happening was players were catching the ball and then running past the defense. Right. So I don't think it was just the linebackers, but I think having someone like Jordan Hicks, someone who's dynamic side to side and can make plays and, you know, deflect passes, chase down running backs, any of that sort of thing. I think that's important, and I don't. I don't think we really saw it in the first game. I would agree with you, and I'm hopeful that it'll come through in the in the second game here because I think on the road that sort of thing is going to be important um, for the Falcons to kind of set up in the intermediate passing part of the field to try to get the ball uh, probably downfield to one of their receivers, most likely. Who and and one, one you know, one thing, one major contributing factor, and it, it really, you know. It does depend how you analyze the performance by the defense overall. But one thing we saw pretty much throughout throughout the, the whole first half and, and continuing into the second half was inability for the Eagles to get pressure on the quarterback uh, through the defensive line. Um, you know, what type of what, – what, what are your thoughts on, on that? I mean, Schwartz said in his press conference this week, he said, oh, well, everybody's always telling me, all the fans, or I guess who are even specifically reference who said it, but it's just a narrative that he never blitzes. And he said, well, we blitzed and we got beat deep. And that's, you know, everybody wants me to blitz, but nobody wants to get beat deep. Um, I, you know, to be honest with you, I, I really think that the defensive line was rusty also. Um, I think, you know, Malik Jackson being a new player in the game, we'll talk about him in a little bit more detail. Um, but I think him being a new player in the, in the scheme and new next to Fletcher, who didn't play much in the preseason, I think they were also knocking off some rust. Um, they also didn't have, you know, the defense, because Doug defers so much, they, they tend to have, and I was thinking about this even uh, after the game on Sunday night, they tend to have early success. And it might not be a turnover, might not even be a sack, but they just have this way of coming out and making a statement where you go, they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah. And it didn't seem like that. In the beginning of the game, it seemed like, pfft, is Case Keenum really just like working our defensive line right now? And as I said before, they were in max protection a lot of the time. The other thing I wonder about is, you know, the defense kind of figuring some things out because second half, it was a different story. I mean, Derek Barnett was all over the yep. field. I mean, to me, he was, he was the guy on the defensive line. I thought he had probably the best game. Timmy Jernigan had a sack, which was clutch, but every time you looked up, Derek Barnett was making a play, chasing the quarterback, chasing somebody down. 
it's a big year for Derek. We talked about him the mm-hmm. other day uh, or last week when we podcasted. So I think moving forward, we're going to need to see more from the DNs. But um, this might be a, a little bit of a segue. Do you want to talk a little bit about what happened with Malik Jackson following Sunday's game? Sure. So, you know, I think it came out after the game that Malik Jackson's injury that he suffered is putting him out for the uh, rest of the season. Now, coming into the season, Malik Jackson – uh, was looking to establish one of the more dominant interior defensive tackle um, groups in the NFL. We were really hyped about this, a lot of excitement around what him and Fletcher Cox were going to be able to do this year. Now he's gone. Um, so what kind of door does this open for the Eagles going forward? maybe this is, you know, the, the return of Timmy Jernigan, uh, you know, that, that we knew a couple seasons ago. Yeah. And that, that was the Super Bowl D tackle combo. I mean, that's, what's crazy is Jernigan is the second string at this point, but he and Fletcher were, who were there, you know, when, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 17. Right. So uh, it's, I think, you know, part of, I was thinking about this today and I think it's, it's upsetting because we hoped that the biggest thing, we were excited about Malik Jackson because of what it would do for Fletcher Cox, because really we didn't know much about Malik Jackson. I mean, he had a reputation, but I think as Eagles fans, we were, we were hoping to learn more about him, but really we just heard he was a good player and that he would take up some of the attention of the O-line and free up Fletcher or Fletcher would free him up one way or the other. Um, the thing that I'm kind of concerned about since this isn't in the concerns category is I don't know that Fletcher's 100% healthy. I mean, I, I don't think any of the players fully are, but he was coming off of an injury. I'm pretty sure he had a surgery in the offseason, and he's coming off uh, not a complete offseason of you know workouts and full practices and preseason and all that sort of stuff. And I know he's a veteran, but sure. you know, to me, he's probably still healing. So if he has Malik Jackson next to him, who's a great pass rusher. And that's what the Eagles were really looking for is a a D tackle to play next to Fletcher who can also rush the passer as opposed to someone who's just a a run blocker and run stuffer. And I think Malik Jackson was that. And I think you did see that a little bit in game one. It's just, it's a shame. He has this foot injury and we only get to see him in one game. Now he, he was signed for three years by the Eagles with plenty of money. So I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think we still will see what happens with Malik Jackson, but uh, it's tough. It's tough to lose somebody like that. But like you said, hopefully Jernigan steps up. And in the meantime, the Eagles have signed a defensive tackle from the Dolphins named Hakeem right. Spence, uh, who had uh, decent numbers, uh, nothing crazy, uh, but seemed to just get waved by the Dolphins because they had a new coach and kind of just a turnover of the old guard. Um, but hopefully he can get assimilated and hopefully – you know, hopefully Jernigan is that guy. I mean, he's the only person that I can remember from Sunday who had a sack. Am I right about that? I'm sorry. Repeat that one more time. Is Jernigan the only defensive lineman who had a sack on Sunday? I'm pretty I think sure he, he was. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the stats to confirm that. But I, the only one that I can recall off the top of my head. And ultimately – it is a big concern having your top, your your second best defensive tackle go down in the first game. Like you said, with all the expectations, what his playing on the defensive line would do for Fletcher Cox's game, uh, allowing him to have less attention put on him by offensive lines. Uh, 
But as football goes, it is the next man up. We'll see how the Eagles deal with this. It's a, it, we'll raise it as a concern right now, but this is something we'll monitor as the year goes on. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I really think that the the Eagles are in a position where, as opposed to um, years past, where D end is actually the deeper position, they're in a position now where actually D tackle is the deeper position. So they they did prepare themselves in terms of having a depth at that position, but I don't think they could have prepared themselves for this kind of loss, especially like I said to go back, and I don't mean to harp on the point, but I think with. Fletcher not being totally healthy, he could really use somebody productive next to him while he gets to back to 100%. But hopefully Jernigan can be that guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, forgive me. I don't have my uh, agenda in front of me. What was next? Um, so th- the last thing for concerns was with the defense. And we, you know, we have been harping on the defense who did really post a really good second half. So maybe we can chalk. Uh, some of our concerns up to being rust, but time will tell that story. Uh, but what we did see was, you know, the cornerbacks play not being so great uh, in in the first half, particularly. And is this is this a big concern going going forward? Well, it, it is for me. There was a play in the beginning of the game, and I think you and I were sitting next to each other at this point, and they threw the ball. You know, uh, the Redskins threw the ball for maybe like a five-yard completion. And Avante Maddox comes up, and I said, all right, well, you know, it was a, a short little pass. He'll make this tackle. And he kind of lost his footing, and the receiver just spun and went right around Yeah. Him. And I kept seeing stuff like that all day, whether it was from – and not, not, not just labeling Maddox, but uh, I felt like Darby, um, Razul, I mean, all of them had moments, Sidney Jones, moments where I thought like – it just really seemed to me like the corners were struggling and not just in coverage. There were times where I thought the coverage actually was good uh, by the corners, but other things, uh, the awareness of, you know, tackling and multiple people trying to tackle Vernon Davis on the sideline, Vernon Davis is like hundred years old and they can't bring him down. I mean, that was a frustrating play. And especially that's the way that the Eagles kind of opened their season. Um, now, granted, we won the game and we are nitpicking here. I yeah. guess that's part of what podcasting is about a little bit. But that was upsetting. And I think part of what's upsetting is those aren't new rookie players making the play. That's Ronald Darby missing him, you know, getting jumped over. Right. Uh, Sendejo missing the tackle. Razul missing the tackle. I mean, these things are, are less and less forgivable. So I think moving forward, I mean, you got Julio Jones this week. You got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu from the Falcons. All of them are good players. So – the, the corner's got to shape up. I mean, they don't have Jalen Mills, at least for a little while. So this is, this is it. Who they have is who they have. Right. I think, I think in Ronald Darby, I have some faith that he's going to be a very solid corner for us this year as, as he is, you know, probably our best corner on our team. I was a little disappointed with Razul's play. And I, you know, I'd like to like to raise a little bit of concern with, with his play because I, I really respected how he filled in last year. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wasn't really sure what to make of it. I think the play that sticks out to everybody is the one where he got beat deep, and that's that's just not Russell's game. Russell, you know, is a guy who can body up somebody um, and kind of disrupt them, and then over over physical them to the ball. Um, he's not somebody who can win a foot race, and so you know that guy, unfortunately, 
and I really mean this. I think he was always going to win that right. round. And just to, um, and 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 to yeah. to round the this whole concerns category out, I I want to say that I think it was very highlighted uh, that there were a lot of concerns on the defensive side of the ball because this game was kind of a tale of two halves. For the first half, the defense really struggled, but give them credit. They really rose to the challenge in that, in that second half and um, held the Redskins. They, they got a touchdown at the end of the game, which really didn't mean anything. Uh, so th- they, they really played well in the second half and the adjustments they made. Let's hope that carries over into next week. Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of do a, a little bit of a, a sandwich here, one negative, one positive. Just one more thing about the corners. Ronald Darby had a, a pure interception, hit him right in the chest. Uh, that can't happen. He's our, our CB1. He's got to make that play. The Eagles in general struggled last year with not enough turnovers. You, you know the play yep. I'm talking about. He made a diving play right in front of the receiver. He was right on the ball. It's not that he wasn't there. He was right there to make the play, just didn't come away with the ball. But to go back to what you said, I felt like in the second half, they were just feeding on the Redskins yep. offense. I mean, it just seemed like they, they couldn't put anything together just because the the line in particular started to really heat up and they couldn't get much going beyond that intermediate part of the field. But I guess we should talk a little about yeah, the Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. So, yeah, let's preview uh, the upcoming game against the Falcons. Uh more of a role for the Falcons. Yeah. I was going to say um, more of a role for the running backs in this game. Is it important to uh, establish the run given it's a road game and uh, you know, things are a little more heated. It's harder to hear Uh, having that solid run game going on the road is always a good thing. Uh, Is that going to be part of the game plan going into this game? I do think so. And I think you might start to see, and I mean that like really start to see Doug figure out, what these roles are. I think you might see different stages of, of uh, the run game. You might see some power stuff. You might see uh, some pass catching. Uh, and then you might see Miles Sanders, hopefully kind of make a play break where it's something beyond what was actually drawn up. Uh, but what you said really hit the nail on the head. I, I don't think that you can really win on the road in a place like Atlanta, which is loud and it's a dome. Um, I don't think you can really win there if you're not running the ball uh, with some confidence at least, setting the tone and I think that's something that the Eagles struggled to do early in the game was to set the tone with the run game uh, and let the defense know we're going to be doing this and and, uh, you know on the on the topic of it being in a um, a dome uh, at the Falcons I just want to bring up a point you know the silent count is obviously a really big part of what our our offense is going to try to do in Atlanta uh, given the crowd noise, and I think one thing for fans to try to key in on is watching Jason Kelsey in this game and look at the cadence of the offensive line and the receivers, how people are getting off the ball, because you know they're going to be in that silent count. And uh, just try to, you know, I, I think we should touch on this after this uh, after next week's game against the Falcons is what we thought of their play, look for – uh, false starts, whatnot, see how sharp this offensive line is. And I really think that all starts with Jason Kelsey. Yeah, and I, I, I think he showed himself very well. He's not somebody we mentioned in the game uh, against the Redskins, but he's somebody whose name we brought up. And truthfully, Mike's girlfriend, Aaron, brought up at our podcast uh, live from Locust Lane Craft. Offensive she, player she of the game. Offensive player of the game. 
and he he really did have a great game. And I think you're right. If if that's to happen, he's going to have to lead it. Uh, I'm just going to segue to something kind of off script just to say something Mike and I have brought up a bunch of times. The Eagles, again, against the Redskins, did not start fast. I think on the road, if they can have a fast start, put some points on the board, or uh, you know, put a stop to the Falcons' offense early, I think that will. I think that will help. The one thing this past Sunday is we didn't see it on either side. The offense struggled, the defense struggled, and it it really was starting to get hard to watch. I mean, it wasn't until that Deshaun play that we started to really get some get some hope right. going. So I think it's really up to Doug uh, and and his aggressiveness and his bigger balls and all that sort of stuff to to really game plan to, to get them on the board early. I think they have to do that. And, and I'll um, continue on that point and say, you know, I did actually go back and I started rewatching uh, our opening game of the season last year against the Falcons. And it really did. Oh, right. It really did have the same kind of structure to it uh, or story that our game against the Redskins just had was we came out very slow. We came out very slow against the Redskins Um the defense was letting up, giving up a lot of chunk yard plays. Uh, Matt Ryan was running the offense very well. And the second half, the Eagles just kind of flipped it. The defense started playing really well. And the offense was able to ultimately win that game. That game ending on a defensive stop, just like the year before in the playoffs. Uh, but right. you're right. There is a major importance for the Eagles to come out of the gate and score the ball, move the ball, stop the other team's offense and uh, get off the field. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point that we need to, we need to keep track of. Well, and let's just stop and highlight the Falcons this past weekend. Now I didn't, I didn't watch the Falcons play the Vikings at the Vikings. Mike and I were watching the Eagles game here. I believe it was at the same time slot. Anyway, watching back later, the Falcons went down 28, nothing. To the Vikings. Now it's in the Vikings dome, which I, I grant on that, but 28 nothing with the weapons that the Falcons have, and the final was 28 to 12. The Falcons aren't a team that's really going to start fast either if you're basing it on the last game. Now they're coming back home. They're probably pissed that they lost their first game in, in a little bit of a blowout, but I really think that the Eagles are in a position where they can start fast against this team. They could have started fast against the Redskins. It didn't happen. If they can do this to the Falcons on the road, that makes me feel a lot better, especially in game two. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if there are things that Doug needs to be doing to prepare the team better or if it's more on an individual player-by-player basis to prepare for the start of the game. Uh, But we have seen the Eagles over the past year – have a problem getting off to a fast start. Um, so whatever they need to do to, to make that happen is, is very important to their success this season because you're not going to be able to come back against every team you play. Right, and I think that that's really where I, I have a fear for the Eagles in their schedule. I mean, they have some tough games down the stretch, and they could really – it would do well for them to, to start this as a habit of just putting points on the board early, setting up the run game early, uh, and using some of the weapons that they have. I mean, this is a deep offensive right. team. Um, but um, I, I really think they're in a position this week to, uh, to keep what they've started in the second half of the Redskins game going. One thing I think I'd really love to see, and this is um, something I feel like I almost can't remember anything – super significant that either of the tight ends did other than Dallas Goddard dropped a pass 
uh, I can remember. And I know uh, Zach Ertz had a couple catches, but they, they seem to almost be a non-factor. They were a big narrative in the offseason. I wonder if against the Falcons we see one or both of those guys have a big game. I, Yeah. I think you, you got to look for the Eagles, the Eagles to get off to a, a fast start and, you know, r- put, put points on the board. One, one thing you see common amongst a lot of good teams in the NFL is that they're able to put teams away early, um, run up the score. And this was something that I think we felt in 2017 was that the way that the Eagles offense was operating, we would get out to such a lead that it was kind of comfortable as an Eagles fan, just being like, yeah, well, we got, we've already scored 20 team is still hasn't even passed 10. So you're feeling pretty good. Right. And I think that's something that they, they lost last year and they could really stand to get back, especially with some of these new weapons that they, that they have. But, um, as far as, you know, going to the defensive side of the ball, I mean, what would you like to see more of from the, from the defense this week? Well, I'd really like to see good cornerback play. Um, and, and let me, let me it. tell you why I say that. Matt Ryan is a veteran quarterback. He's, a, he's one of the, you know, arguably a top 10 quarterback in the league. He's very well experienced. Matt Ryan knows how to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Even if the defensive line does a great job and Matt Ryan um, is getting the ball out of his hands in under two seconds, can you really fault the defensive line for not getting to him? No. So I would like to see the cornerbacks and the safeties be able to fight off those quick passes that come out of Matt Ryan's hands to where that they, they can take that out of the game and Matt Ryan has to hold the ball a little longer. So it's, I'm asking for the cornerbacks to initiate the, uh, the stop, which changes Matt Ryan's game, which makes him hold on to the ball longer. And then you see the defensive line start to sack him. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. I know, I know a lot of times we try to say that the defensive line uh, needs to get to the quarterback. Oh, in order to bail out. I lost you a little bit there. Can you repeat what you said? It, uh, we disconnected for a second there. Can you just repeat what you said there? Oh, sure. Uh, what, I was, what I was saying was that in this upcoming game, given that we're playing Matt Ryan and he has the ability to get the ball out of his hand very quickly, mm-hmm. um, I think the first and foremost thing I want to see on defense is good coverage by our cornerbacks to take away those quick release passes that Matt Ryan has. Yeah. And this, this will force Matt Ryan to hold the ball a little longer as the game progresses. And at that point, hopefully the defensive line will then have the time to get to Matt Ryan and start sacking him. And, and, and that's, that's kind of the game plan I would like to see out of the Eagles. And I, man, I think, Thank you for repeating that. Yeah, our, our, we uh, just wound up getting a little disconnected there. But um, the cornerbacks especially, I think, could have a huge impact on that. If they can jump one of these routes. I think Ryan, Matt Ryan threw a pick on his first drive against the uh, Vikings last weekend. So right. you know, he's definitely somebody who has a, a habit of doing it. And I think, you know, the Eagles have put themselves in position, like we said with Darby. You know, you're there, just catch the ball. So hopefully they can uh, find a way to do that. Um, and I wonder if maybe they try starting Sydney this week instead of starting Razul on the outside. 
I would love to see Sydney start this week, but you Who know they have a really. He did last week. I'm not sure what that. I don't want to try to read in between the lines what that says about where the Eagles stand with Sydney Jones, but I would like to see them give Sydney the opportunity to do that. Now, with that said, they have a really big test this week coming up in Julio Jones. So, how Ooh. do you how do you think the Eagles approach that that um, <clears throat> Julio's oh, that weapon. That's exactly what he is. He he's such a great receiver, but his impact against the Eagles, at least recently. Uh, now the last two times that the Eagles played the Falcons, it was at the link, so the Eagles had the advantage of being at home. But the last two times, although Julio Jones was a lot of the narrative going in because he is that weapon, he really. I mean, he, he caught his, he caught his catches and he, he had, you know, probably a hundred or close to yard day, but really didn't have a huge impact on either game. I mean, both of the games were pretty low scoring. So, you know, he's somebody that the Eagles seem to have kind of schemed up. Now the one player who seemed to have a really uh, good handle on him was Jalen Mills and he's out right now. So I right. wonder how, you know, Darby compensates, but if you remember, uh, the way that that game ended last year, the first game of the season, it was Darby forcing Julio Jones out of bounds, um, forcing the incompletion and ending the game. So I-, I really love to see that kind of thing this week. That's the thing. The Eagles really could make a statement from the cornerback position this week against a good Falcons wide receiver core. Absolutely. And and you did just touch on it. You know, the Eagles have had the past two home games against the Falcons, one a really big playoff game, which we won, which ultimately propelled us to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. Uh, last year, the game opener, which really took a similar uh, story to the playoff game from the year before. Are the, is it time? Could you see that this might be the Falcons redemption game against the Eagles, given our recent rivalry where maybe, you know, they've got a little extra going into this game. They really are game planning hard for it uh, because we've beaten them the past two times we faced them. It has the makings of it. it. It has all the makings of it. I mean, mostly the fact that the last two times it was on the Eagles, it was on the Eagles home field. Uh, and now they're having to go down to Atlanta and play in a dome against a team that's coming off a bad loss. But I genuinely, and I'm not just saying this, I don't think so. I really think Doug just has something, you know, has something over the Falcons. And let's hope that Schwartz does too. I think that's really going to be more important this time is that, you know, what we saw from the offense was upsetting at first, but they really came out. Now the defense was hot in the second half, but still they had things where that's like, man, they got to come away with that pick, man. There's still too much time that Keenum has in the, in the pocket. Yep. So, I'd like to see it show up a little more, whereas the offense I felt like struggled but then got off the ground and really put it on paper. The defense struggled, got off the ground, but didn't really put it on paper. And I think if they can do that this week, the Eagles are going to win this game. And Julio's always going to make plays. Uh, and I think Schwartz is the first person to say that in the press conferences. As long as they're not touchdowns, you know, that's that's kind of the main thing. But it's really going to be a matter of getting to Matt Ryan, shaking his confidence. He's coming off a bad game. He's coming back home. If the Eagles can get up early, he might not come back from that. So absolutely, I, I see what you're saying though, and I think you I think you bring up a really good point in that you know from the outside looking in, everybody would say the Falcons are due. The Falcon, right? The Falcons are due for you know uh, they want redemption against the Eagles, and 
I do have the same um, premonition that you have, that the Eagles do have this. I, I think we are an upper echelon team this year. And I think with the offensive capabilities that it looks like we're going to have uh, this season, it's going to be tough for the Falcons to, com- to compete with us. But on the defensive side of the ball, um, one thing that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up and has uh, been true the past couple seasons, when you're watching the Eagles defense play, if all they do is let up a field goal, that is still a good thing. If they, don't, if they don't let up touchdowns and they just let up field goals, our offense has the ability to beat any team. And, um, and they've done that specifically against the Falcons. They've done right. That we've given up. We've given up a lot of yards. Matt Ryan's gotten a lot of passing yards and uh, the off, their offense has done really well. But when it comes time to being in the red zone, the Eagles have stopped them from scoring touchdowns, which ultimately has been the factor of winning and losing. And I, I, I think, you know, if that continues to happen, we're going to win this game. Well, and I think, I think the Eagles, you know, have a reputation of being a great red zone defense team. And I think the Falcons, not just this year, obviously we're not that far into it, but for a couple of years running now, I'm not sure where they rank, but I have to think it's in the lower half for red zone offense. So, you know, the Eagles, again, they're in a position to, to make something happen. But to go back to what you said earlier, I think that's going to be a big-time storyline in this game is looking back at this recent rivalry between the two teams and saying, is today Atlanta's day? I just – I don't think so. It's got the makeup for maybe being, you know, somewhat of a, a trap game for the Eagles just because of, of how much uh, of the past history between the teams. And, you know, we've had their number the past couple times. Interestingly. Something that just occurred to me. The last two times the Eagles have played the Falcons at the link, Nick Foles was playing quarterback. If you remember last year, he played the first game. And That's right. Before that, he played in that divisional round. Uh, so you have to figure, you know, Carson's seen this team play a lot. He's watched a lot more than he's played against the Falcons. So actually, has he played against the Falcons at all? I don't think so. So, you know, he's, he's bringing a different element to this too. Now, Nick Foles had a great, you know, showing throughout the playoffs and everything that he's, that he did for the Eagles during that year, but both his games against the Falcons, he struggled. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, maybe that will be um, the different, the difference in the storyline for this game is that Carson is able to operate a high powered offense, which doesn't put it on the defense to win the game like they've done the past two times we've played the Falcons. Eh, you know, we'll see. There's a lot, there's a lot at play here. Yeah, there definitely is. Well, with that, Mike, I mean, we're, we're getting to the, uh, almost to the hour mark here. I feel like we should make a call, but before yeah. we do that, I just want to ask you based on almost everything we've talked about today, or at least a the big theme of what we talked about today, starting fast. Do you think the Eagles score a touchdown in the first quarter this week? Yes, I do. That's a strong vote of confidence. You didn't even hesitate there. No, I think it's I think it's gonna be something that Doug harps on all week to his team. I think the Eagles come out ready to play and um Carson Carson and, and the offense get that done. Well do you agree? I do. I don't think it happens through you know, everybody last week thought, oh, let's go deep to Deshaun and they they did wind up doing that, not quite on the first play of the game, but 
I do, I kind of think that what the Eagles might do once they have the ball in offense, especially being on the road, is they might try to sustain a drive, you know, and not dink and dunk, but they try to try to balance it with the run game um, and just show show off their weapons all the way, you know, maybe like a a sixty yard drive and really hold on to the ball, uh, finish with a, a touchdown. I mean, I think that really sets the tone. It's not just the fact that they were able to score, you know, after not having produced in the first quarter. It's that they held on to the ball and they did it, you know, with authority. Absolutely. So that's that's really what I'd like to see. I for some reason, man, I just I just don't see it. I feel like and, and I'm not just being contrarian. I just feel like they've just really struggled. Uh, in the first quarter, and I think on the road they're going to be up against it. I do think they score um, a couple of times before the end of the first half, so I think the second quarter that they'll start to turn it on, but I just okay. don't see it. Maybe a, maybe a field goal, I'll give you that, or maybe a pair of field goals, but I just I don't see them scoring a touchdown in the first quarter. They've just really struggled. I can see them moving the ball even and maybe getting stifled in the red zone and having to kick a field goal, um, But and maybe that'd be good for Jake Elliott, you know, to look on the positive, but... Uh, well, uh, maybe this is a, a, a nice little friendly wager we can put on uh, the first quarter of this upcoming game. If the Eagles do score in the first quarter a touchdown, um, I do think you should, in our next podcast, come out and admit that Nelson Aguilar is your favorite player on the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles roster. Now, I, I'll, I'll do something because I like the idea of this friendly wager and carrying it over to another podcast, but that just wouldn't be true. Now, I love Nelson. He's not my favorite. Uh, but I'll, you know, I'll, we'll have to figure something out. I, I can't think of anything on the spot, but we'll figure something out as far as a wager, even if it's just, uh, you know, a cheesesteak or something like that. But I like I, it. I do, well, I, we can take that one offline, but something's riding on, uh, on whether the Eagles score a touchdown in the first quarter of this upcoming game. And, uh, that'll, we'll reveal that on our next podcast. Well, we're talking about scores. So let's, let's, uh, kind of wrap up with our predictions. What, what did you uh, – let me ask you, did you have this pegged as a win when you looked at the schedule early in the year, even before I, this first game? I did. Me too. Me too. All right, so what's your score? <clears throat> well, because I think the Eagles have a, a high-powered offense this year, I think we are going to average somewhere around 30 points for the year. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with um, a similar prediction to what I did last week and, and go with, 34 24 34 24 um and who get let me just ask you also since and that's and that's the eagles winning that game okay and who's your offensive player of the game look into the crystal ball what do you see my offensive player of the game this week is going to be I don't want to steal your thunder from last week, but I think it's going to be <laughs> Dallas Goddard. I think it. I think it could be too. I think he's somebody who who will definitely produce this week, especially I think especially who... with the Falcons playing a lot of cover three. They pretty much said they're not going to. You know, they're going to kind of give the Eagles um, a little bit of cushion in front of them because they don't want Deshaun to go deep, and I think that's going to open the field up for you know Goddard. I don't want to. You know, let's. What, what do you What do you think? I, I think as far as the score, and I'll start there, I think score-wise, I, I do see the Eagles struggling a little bit in the first quarter, but I see them, I see it being like a 30 to 15, something like that kind of a game. I mean, not, Ooh, I like you it. Know, not, not, uh, not putting a, a ton of points up, 
overall, but definitely beating this team uh, pretty pretty soundly. And it might be close to start, and then I think the Eagles pull away. As far as my offensive player of the game, I don't know why, but I think it's Jordan Howard. Uh, I think I think we saw something from him last game, and it was just kind of a flash. And I wonder if Doug goes, there was something there, and if we can get that going at some point, maybe different than we did before more often, then they could have success. So that's that's my offensive player of the game. Do you have a quick defensive player of the game? I like that a lot. Uh, for my defensive player of the game, and this is just, you know, on the spot for anybody that's listening right now. I hadn't really thought about this prior to this conversation, but our, <laughs> my defensive player of the game for the Eagles next week is going to be Brandon Graham. Mm, I like that. And he, he was definitely a disruptive factor when the Eagles played the Falcons before. He was. He had some uh, nice I, nice uh, tackles in the backfield. He did, yeah. And, I you know, I, I apologize for putting you on the spot. I, I do – I do think I was kind of leaning toward Brandon Graham too. So now I'm going to solve for a second, but I'm actually going to go ahead and just say Ronald Darby. I feel like his name came up a couple times today, but he's somebody who had an opportunity to make plays last week. Didn't really manage to do it. Um, and I, I, I'd really like to see him be able to step up this week and make a play on the road uh, and just show something from the cornerback position because uh, I love week, that call last week. We were, you know, going into the game thinking, wow, the Eagles are really deep at cornerback. And then early in the game, we found out, they're, they're kind of at a struggle there. Um, at least till Jalen Mills comes back, they're not really deep either. So I'd love to see him have a big game and, uh, and maybe set the tone for the defense. Absolutely, man. Well, this has been a really fun uh, kind of what, what was aimed to be a, a short uh, recap of last week, preview of the next Eagles game. You know, Chris and I are uh, just getting this, Getting, getting the paperwork, paperwork rolled out and uh, figuring out how we're doing this. So really appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to our podcast, the Eagles Water Cooler. And uh, Chris, do you, you have any closing remarks you'd like to contribute? Just uh, go birds and, uh, yeah, keep, keep listening. And uh, we are probably going to wind up doing a few more of these, uh, trying to do them over the phone just because it's a little more convenient to uh, – to get together that way, but uh, we're hoping to do another live podcast at uh, Locust Lane coming up. So more details to follow, but in the meantime, go birds, go birds. <laughs>